and welcome to the eighth episode of Figure It, the podcast where we look at the facts and statistics on Cyprus and figure out what it all means. My name is Fiona Mullen and I'm the director of Sapienta Economics. Today I'm going to be looking at the issue of migration in Cyprus with Dr. Nasia Haji Yuriu. She's assistant professor in human rights and transitional justice at the Cyprus camp of UCLan at the University of Central Lancashire. Republic of Cyprus government has been throwing out a lot of numbers on migration lately and it isn't always clear what they're referring to. So that's why I asked Nasir onto the program because she's an expert in these things to get our head around the figures and some of the wider issues. It's one of Nasir's key research subjects. Her research focus is protection of human rights in post-violent societies. So welcome to the program, Nasir. Thank you for having me. So I thought it would be good to start by defining some terms because I think most people, even I, have difficulty distinguishing between the different things. So what's the difference between a regular migrant, an irregular migrant, what they call illegal immigrant in Cyprus, an asylum seeker, a refugee, and an internally displaced person? Okay, so if we start with the regular migrant, that is someone who has the papers to be in a different country to the country they 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 were born in either for work or to retire there or as a student you you i was a migrant when i was in the uk you were a migrant in cyprus so that that's what a regular migrant is now an irregular migrant or or what has been called by the Cypriot authorities and other authorities um illegal immigrant is someone who is not in their country of when the country they were born in, but lacks the proper papers for yes. that. Yeah. And okay. an asylum seeker now is something entirely different, which is part of the problem of, of calling asylum seekers and migrants as one thing and treating them mm-hmm. as one thing. So an asylum seeker is someone who uh, claims that they have that they are in danger of either dying, being killed, or having serious human rights violations against them um, right. in their own country. And that is why they have to flee their own country. Right. So that could be either because of war or because of other serious uh, human rights violations. One example would be female genital mutilation, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or something like that. Now, a refugee someone who is basically a, a recognized asylum seeker, someone who has applied right. for asylum successfully. Okay. And, and their legal status changes there. That's why the name changes as well. Finally, internally displaced persons are those who leave their house, again, because of a fear of human rights violations or death, but they don't flee to another country. They, they, they simply change locations within their own country. An example of that would be someone who used to live in Kyrenia and is now living right. in Limassol. Yeah. So all the people who in Cyprus are called Cypriot refugees are under international terms, internally displaced persons, at least yes, those who they, are still in Cyprus. Yeah, Exactly. If they are still in Cyprus, yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. And in the global context, because I think it's important that, you know, globally, this has been a rising issue because of conflicts and so on and so forth. So there's 
two things. So let's talk about migration in total. The office, International Office of Migration says there are 281 million migrants in the world. So we're talking about not just refugees and asylum seekers, but also people who have the right to stay in a country of which they are not a citizen, anyone else. Uh, globally, that's around one in 30 people. And it's also, I think, worth mentioning, looking at refugees. So there are a small proportion of people living in countries in which they're not born. But in this region, Turkey is by far the largest recipient of refugees. So the UN Refugee Agency said Turkey has around 3.7 million refugees and around 300,000 in addition to that asylum seekers. So that's about 4.7% of Turkey's population, I calculated. Lebanon is even higher proportion, just under 900,000. That's about 13% of their population. And then Syria has a lot of internally displaced people, so Syrians, but stuck in another part of the country, about 6 million in a population of about 18 million, so about 33% of the population. Um, and then we'll get to the numbers on Cyprus in a moment, because uh, uh, it's important to distinguish which is which, um, which is what, I'm, what I've got you here for. So, um, like I said, the government's been throwing around a lot of figures. Uh, what kind of categories, different kind of categories you were talking about, has it been talking about? Okay, so basically, the uh, recently, last week, the government's spokesperson um, gave out a pretty controversial statement in which he claimed to be talking about illegal migrants, so what we right. previously described as irregular migrants, and asylum seekers. Now, as I already explained, the two are, are very different, that they're, mm -hmm. they're not the same at all. Um, but the, the problem is it goes even deeper than that because the statistics he was citing do not actually always have to do with asylum seekers, which is really what he was referring to. Mm -hmm. He spoke about asylum seekers. He spoke about irregular entries into the Republic, which is different because someone can irregularly enter the Republic without claiming asylum. Mm -hmm. He spoke about illegal uh, residents to the Republic, which I, I think he meant again, irregular migrants. But mm -hmm. I, again, the two are not different because someone can enter the Republic irregularly but not reside in the Republic. For example, they might decide to cross the green line and, mm -hmm. and stop residing in the areas under the effective control of the Republic at all. And he also mixed uh, some statistics of non-Cypriots. So mm -hmm. basically he lumped everyone together. He grouped everyone together, assumed that everyone who is a non-Cypriot falls in one of these categories and treated them the same way. Yes, yeah. So um, let's go through all of those in turn. So let's start with asylum seekers. What do we know about the numbers of asylum seekers in well, Cyprus? According to the asylum service, in 2020, there were just under 19,000 pending asylum applications. Right. And according to the figures that were given by the government spokesperson last week, in 2021, there were 10,868, so just, just under 11,000 asy new asylum applications, new applications in right. the Republic of, of, of Cyprus. Um, now, if, if that is true, and the reason I'm including the if is because, as I think we will discuss later on, there, there are some question marks in how the government um, comes up with its numbers. So if that is true, that is a significant increase to the numbers that were reported in 2020. So in 2020, 
that Cyprus had about 7,000 asylum seekers. So that's that is about a 30%, 30 something. So new, new asylum seekers, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. A 30 something percent increase, mm-hmm. which is what the government actually claims happened. Now, back to the numbers. So, how many uh, asylum seekers do we have in Cyprus at the moment? Well, we have the 19,000 uh, pending applications that we had in 2020. Mm-hmm. The government claims that it processed 7,000 applications since the beginning of the year. That takes us to 12,000, plus the about 11,000 uh, mm-hmm. new applications that the government says um, we have in 2021. If my math is right, that should take us to about 23,000 asylum seekers in the areas under the effect yeah. of control of the Republic. So 19 minus 7 who were processed, most of whom were rejected, right? And then yes. plus about 11,000. So that's 23. So, but the government spoke about a much higher proportion of the population, right? Our population is about 888,000, I think, pending the uh, census. So if you've got 23,000, that's about 2.6% of the population, but the government gave other numbers, right? Yes. So the government claimed that there, there is about 4% of the population that are asylum seekers. Honestly, I can't even begin understanding how, mm-hmm. how we got to that 4%. Maybe the government is grouping all non-Cypriots. I mean, I'm not even sure <laughs> what yeah. happened here. I can't. I can't because 4% is like 35,000 and we can't get more than 23,000 even if you add in all the new applicants this year and so on, right? So Exactly. So yeah. maybe the government is also grouping regular migrants in that but of course these are people who have received the republic's visas right yeah right right yeah yeah so that even if one accepts the, the very problematic pro- position that asylum seekers are a problem that has to be solved it, mm-hmm. it cannot be argued that people that the government has given permission to to be here are yes. a problem so that's that's me too <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, it's. I, I wonder if they are just mixing up their, well, we can get to their estimates about irregular migrants in a minute. But um, so I also wanted to ask about the accusation that Turkey is deliberately pushing migrants to Cyprus, quote, a blatant policy of instrumentalization of human pain from Turkey. So we know that the entire world has seen an increase in refugee flows in recent years. Do we know for sure that Turkey is pushing people here? We don't know for sure. What we do know is that a lot of people are arriving on the island of Cyprus by landing in the areas that are not under the effective control mm-hmm. of the Republic, and then they are crossing That's, the that's northern land. Cyprus or the occupied areas for other people who don't know what the, the, yes, the, the, the technical European Commission <laughs> term. Yes. yes, sorry about that. So they are landing in northern Cyprus, and then they are crossing the green line right. into the areas that are under the effective control. And that, just to be clear, they're not coming through the crossing points. They're not coming through Libra Street. They're coming no. through they um, are coming fields through the fields. and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and to be more specific, about 45% of the green line is under the control of the UK government because it borders the sovereign base areas. Right, right. So despite the fact that about half of the green line is controlled by the British, 
about 2% of the people who are crossing into the Republic cross through the SBAs, and the other 98% are crossing through the other 55% of the lines. So the gaps in the lines. So it sounds like the, well, it, it may depend on the terrain, I suppose, but somehow the British are getting a lot fewer people crossing than the than the area than the the green line controlled by the Republic of Cyprus authorities yes right? I think partly it has to do with the um it has to do with the with the terrain it also has to do with the policing that takes place or in, right. in the green line and uh -huh. the different approaches of the two but I would like to point out that it doesn't really matter ultimately if one crosses through the SBAs or straight into the Republic because Anyone who is caught by the SBAs are any, is anyway handed to the Republic. Right. So right. this is not because yeah. of the different treatment. That and, and let's be clear, these people have a right to claim asylum, right? It's um, yes. regardless of how they got here. So it's an international yes, exactly. treaty obligation. So, okay. Um, so, but so we don't really know, is it the criminal gangs or is it a Turkey official policy? Okay, so I suspect that it's the following. First of all, it has to do with, with where they're coming from and the fact that it's simply quicker and easier, geographically speaking, mm -hmm. to land in the north of Cyprus rather than the south. It also has to do with the fact that almost everyone who arrives to Cyprus, basically almost everyone who starts a journey to go to Europe, is doing it with the help of human traffickers, right? right, right. Criminal groups. If they are leaving Turkey, and, 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 and the reason they are leaving Turkey is because it's, you know, it's, it's opposite Cyprus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, if they are leaving Turkey, it makes sense that the human traffickers in Turkey have closer connections to Turkey Cypriots, mm -hmm. human traffickers, and mm -hmm. therefore the route is a more direct one right, that way. Right. I haven't found any evidence of, you know, Turkey encouraging these mm -hmm. people to, to be transferred to Cyprus. Having said that, I haven't found any evidence of Turkey discouraging these right, people right. Yeah, from being yeah. transferred to Cyprus And obviously we know either. there's been issues with other countries. So, yeah, okay. Um, and what about this accusation that, you know, it's not just the government here that says it, but... Um, you hear it from other people as if it's somehow suspicious, the fact that it's mainly young men. I mean, would you, you know? <laughs> well, okay, so the, the, in the statement made by uh, the government's spokesperson, the evidence provided for why this is so obviously an organized uh, plan from Turkey to send settlers, basically, to Cyprus, was that these are single men, overwhelmingly mm. single mm. men, who are 25 to 40 years old. You know, if one thinks about it logically, who else would you expect to make mm -hmm. the trip? But a, that's a also, that's the case everywhere, right? Because normally yes, the young men come the and then they try and repatriate their families because they're not going to bring their kids on. A, on a, exactly. well, some of them do, of course, but, you know, on a on a an unstable boat and things like that. So yeah, exactly. So it it makes sense that the first who try to arrive are the strongest. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. these would be men who are able to work, don't have to take care of the children. So mm -hmm, usually mm -hmm. the wives and the children stay mm -hmm. back yeah. and stay back home. However, there is something else I would like to say about the increased 
about the increased numbers we are seeing. First of all, the statement by, by the government was that up until now in 2021, we have had an increase compared to 2020. Well, mm-hmm. you know, 2021 is almost over. It's not like we mm-hmm. are in April. This is mm-hmm. the end of November. Mm-hmm. But in any case, I wouldn't expect to see many more asylum seekers arriving to Cyprus in December, simply because of the weather conditions. The weather, yeah, yeah. They would have already started their yeah. trip and landed. But also here. last year, we had a pandemic, you know, we were full-scale pandemic, so... Correct. We were, uh, we were bound to have uh, a drop in 2020, right? I'm guessing, compared with 2019. This, and this is reflected in uh, European Commission statistics, that there was a drop in 2020. The other thing that I would like to say is that we have uh, an, an increase because of what is happening around us, you know. Cyprus is affected by the the broader region in, in which it, it happens to find itself. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a very destabilized Lebanon, mm-hmm. there is an ongoing Syrian conflict, mm-hmm. there is a regime change in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. there is increased, massively increased policing of the, of the Greek shores, which means that the message has gone back right. to human traffickers that really doesn't help if you try to get, you to, can't Greece. get to Greece. Yeah. Yes. So and I know Lebanon was pushing people back or certainly not uh, making it very difficult for people to get into Lebanon and or encouraging to get the hell out so yeah yeah exactly so there's greater just greater supply anyway so uh, so now I want to talk about unregistered migrants so by this I mean the people who are living here but don't have the right to reside here so the government spoke there about 33,000 people and I'm wondering are they double counting people who arrived through unrecognized reports but then go on to apply for asylum or are they adding others who don't have papers? What do you think the number is coming from there? Okay, good question. Uh, I don't know if they are double counting. Uh, probably they don't know if they're double counting. Uh-huh. Because I think part of the problem here is that you have too many departments doing similar work. And I'm, I'm not sure how well they're communicating with each other. Right. But the 33,000 makes some sense. So... I don't have statistics for all irregular migrants, but I do know for sure that foreign domestic workers in Cyprus are now, there are 19,000 foreign domestic workers mm-hmm. with papers, right? right. So these right. are regular migrants. Yeah. And the ombudsman estimates that there are about as many foreign domestic workers without papers right. in Cyprus. So it would make sense that if they are 50%, mm-hmm. um, the, the numbers add up in this case. However, I, I should point out that many of the foreign domestic workers who are without papers mm-hmm. have applied for asylum. Right. And it is very likely that they are counted in the pending asylum applications uh-huh. we already right. discussed. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, does that make sense? Yes, yeah. So maybe 19... 19- 20,000 domestic workers who don't have papers, but a big chunk of those have also applied for asylum. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so we really don't know. So I guess, no, I guess, we don't. Well, that, it's, it's by definition, you don't know how many unregistered people there are anyway in any country, right? So, you know. Exactly. The other thing I, I wanted to point out is that of the 19,000 pending applications we had in 2020, the government claims that they have already processed 7,000 applications. We Mm -hmm. already mentioned this. What they have also stated is that of these 
7,000 applications who have been rejected, they have only managed to deport 300 people. 300, so, right. Yes. So the other 6,500 that used to be considered asylum seekers are now technically irregular right okay so they could be adding those as well yeah yeah um not exactly and it would help the government a bit more transparent with its calculations and and with its definitions if it were more transparent you said yes it it would help those of us trying to understand the phenomenon yes so and the other thing the government is trying to do is imply that all of these people are criminals it said uh, in that same it was the same press conference right they said 36 percent of the prison population is non-cypriot so i um, decided to look this up you know what is the proportion of the non-cypriot workforce in cyprus um, cyprus has always had a very large non-cypriot workforce and obviously depends pretty heavily on that if you think of all the domestic workers the shop workers the construction workers and it's been pretty consistent so in 2011 one third of all workers paying social insurance were non-cypriot and in 2000 and the latest figures which i think pertain to 2019 but they are cited as 2021 by the social insurance department again it's one third of the total are non-cypriot so it's about 60-40 EU, non-EU these days, a bit higher than it used, a bit more EU than otherwise. But in other words, if one third of your registered workers are non-Cypriot, then if, then you'd expect, you know, an hour, if 36% of the prison population is non-Cypriot, that's, that's, that doesn't really, um, that's not surprising. You know, that's kind of, especially if they say, actually, there's even a whole load more of unregistered people. So in a way that they, they may actually be underrepresented in the prison population <laughs> and that's before you even think about um, what I'm sure happens which is deliberate profiling and all of that kind of stuff I mean on Sundays you always see the police around the old town trying to pick on people if I can add something here the government stated that the exact statement the government gave was that the percentage of irregular and illegal migrants committing serious crimes is more than 43%, not 36, right? So more than 43%. I have no idea where that 43% comes from, Mm -hmm. because if you look at um, police uh, statistics... But is it basically saying that 46% of all irregular migrants have committed serious crimes? 43%. 43 percent 43 yes that's what it's saying uh-huh. now the first thing i want to say is that i'm not sure what serious that's a crimes. lot of serious crimes you'd have to have to do exactly <laughs> it's 33,000 we're talking you know it it it, it ta- 15,000 well, no it says crimes. the percentage of irregular and, and illegal migrant yes committing <laughs> serious crimes is 43 percent um now according to the statistics from the police 36 percent of the prison population is a migrant, okay, is a non-Cypriot. Mm-hmm. However, in that 36% are included people who have been arrested and are getting ready for deportation. So mm-hmm. we mentioned before the 7,000 um, asylum seeker applications that have been processed, and of these 7,300 mm-hmm. have been um, deported. At some point, those 300 who have not committed a crime other than the fact that they were irregular migrants, it's definitely not a serious crime, mm-hmm. were in the prison population. Yeah. And what the police statistics are measuring is 
who is a non-Cypriot and, and is in the prison population. So there is mm -hmm. definitely overcounting there yes, and the yeah, whole yeah. counting. But also it just that thing about serious crime, it can't possibly, you know, it, it doesn't sound right because we don't have that much serious crime for it to be 15,000 <laughs> <Okay>. people. <laughs> so if I break it down, because I do have the statistics, uh, so I think it makes more sense to look at suspects rather than convicted persons. Um, so if you look at suspects, which might give you a more a rougher but probably closer picture of what is happening on the ground, we know that for all the suspects of all the crimes that took place in Cyprus in 2020, 38% were immigrants, okay, oh, non-Cypriots. Right. 38% and 60, 62% were Cypriots, yeah. which, you know, but again, that, that reflects the proportion of the, exactly. at least the working population, you know, exactly. So, so. Now, the top three crimes that were committed were burglaries, possession of controlled substances, and depending on the substances might be serious or might not be serious. And thefts, which mm -hmm. really thefts are generally not considered a serious, serious crime, crime in the literature unless so yeah if we are talking about 30 something percent of crimes committed by non-cypriots i cannot get my head around the fact that how are we getting to the 43 yeah, percent yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 you would have to assume that every single crime that is committed is a serious crime to even get close to that mm -hmm. it's twice as serious if it's a foreigner that's how they do it <laughs> heavy weighting or something okay um i don't want to make this run on too long um but let's have a look at what the issue that prompted a response from the ombudswoman for children where the government explicitly linked migration and asylum seeking or, or even irregular migration with a number of children in schools quote the most important uh, factor at Proving the severity of the problem is the data concerning students with a migrant background in primary education. It said, he said the number of these exceeds 30% of the total, he said, and in primary education, it's 16%. So again, I go back to my issue. If one third of your workers are non-Cypriot, then of course that's going to be reflected in the schools. But, but it does bring me to this broader issue. Why is the government throwing around figures like this, you know, is it doing it to whip up votes? Is it doing it to justify a hard border on the green line? I have some theories about that, you know. Um, but what, what do you think it is? Okay, so I, I think there is definitely a populist element here. Uh, mm -hmm. They are hunting for votes. I think there is probably some truth in the fact that they are not very confident at gathering data and interpreting it correctly. Also. In the consistent, let's say, yes. comparing apples with apples, as it were. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So if you are saying that you have a third of the children in school having a, a migrant background, in other words, not being mm -hmm. fully pure Cypriots, yes. that means you aren't understanding the, the issue because someone who has a migrant background may have one parent who is Cypriot and one parent who is non-Cypriot, may be uh, children of, uh, of investors who mm -hmm. have bought or invested in, in properties and, mm -hmm. and got a passport, may be uh, children Evil billionaires. Exactly. <laughs> Committing crimes everywhere. <laughs> maybe children of, of um, parents who have a resident permit 
or yeah. maybe asylum seekers, right? right? right. You can't be grouping all of these together, yes. but this yes. is precisely what the government is doing. I think the reason it's doing that is partly because they don't understand what they're doing, and it's partly because there is immense pressure from the top to deal with this mm-hmm. migrant problem in mm-hmm. inverted commas. Mm-hmm. I think so. Obviously, there are more people coming, whatever the reasons are, um, whether they're being pushed or exploited by trafficking gangs, gangs and so on, or just run out of options because everywhere else is locking down. At the same time, we have a job shortage in Cyprus. Job vacancies are at their highest rate ever, according to Seistat, around 7,400 vacancies right across every sector. It's, it's you know, tourism, it's um, manufacturing, it's, it's pretty much everything. So, you know, if we're not, if this isn't going to become a nasty issue that ends up with, um, you know, people being uh, pogromed or whatever, what does international best practice say is the best way to approach a lot of other people coming from other countries, you know, whether to apply for asylum or, or whatever. How can you, what's international practice for making sure that they are, you know, valuable members of society and so on, and it doesn't become okay. this polit- hot political populist issue? So the first thing you need to do is make sure that you are processing the asylum seeker applications quickly. Mm-hmm. It should not be taking years. Yeah. It should be taking weeks. They're and definitely fact, doing that faster now, right? I mean, it was a lot more processing last year than the year before, I think. They are doing it faster. Of course, yeah. the, the, the important thing to highlight is that you must be keeping a high standard. Yeah. In the quality of the, of, of the decisions you're providing. Right. Anecdotally, that has been compromised. Right. So they're just saying uh, no. They're just saying no fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that's what I'm worried about. That, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the first thing to be doing is make sure that you are processing applications quickly. The second thing is make sure that you're actually listening to what they are telling you, and mm-hmm. that you're listening in good faith. You're mm-hmm. you're actually considering what they're telling you right. and assessing whether it's true, rather than assuming that they're lying to you. Right, right. Um, and the third thing is when you have accepted someone as a refugee, in other words, if their application is, 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 is approved, you need to make sure to integrate them mm-hmm. in, in the Cypriot society. That means if they have children, they should be receiving the necessary support they need in school so mm-hmm. that they can catch up with the rest of their classmates. It also means that they should probably be receiving some sort of psychological support. I mean, if they're fleeing conflict, yes. that, that so, should be a priority. And finally, you need to make sure that you have some sort of mechanism to assess the qualifications of these people and open doors for them rather than close mm-hmm. them. I mean, if you are fleeing a conflict, if your house has been burned down, maybe you don't have your university transcripts, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're mm-hmm. lacking the knowledge you have as yeah. a university graduate. Yeah, I mean, I have friends who are qualified teachers, but they're cleaning and things like that, you know, exactly. and, uh, who, who've, you know, re- recognized refugees and whatnot. But I think also even things like language. So this friend, actually, it's good for my Greek because she insists on speaking Greek so that we both <laughs> improve our Greek. <laughs> but you can see the issue is that she needs to work. So she can't she can't spend two weeks. Um, OK, she, she did have Greek lessons at the beginning, but I think this idea of maybe intensive Greek tuition right at the beginning so that they're already ready to, you know, ready for the labour market and so on and everything. um, I think a lot more could be done with language, I reckon. 
Yeah, probably. And if you, if you are going to make intensive Greek uh, lessons compulsory, and I don't think that this is really a bad idea, but if they are going to be compulsory nine to five for a month, it should be a paid month. Yes. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, how else are they going to come? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And you also need to make sure that it's uh, somewhere where they can travel to. Exactly. So, yes. you know, mm-hmm. buses are, are a good idea mm-hmm. there. And also, if you are having asylum seekers locked up in Menoya or in Bornara and they, you're not letting them go anywhere, that might be a good opportunity to utilize the time they have mm-hmm. to teach them Greek or to teach them something else that is useful. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should be locked up, but if, they, if that is the government policy, keeping yes. them locked up, you yeah. might as well use the, use the time yeah. you have to to help them integrate in, in, in our society, even when their applications are successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. Okay. We could talk for hours, I think, about this, but um, I will close it there. Um, thank you very much for coming on the program. Um, I'm taking the time to talk. So if you want to know more about this subject, Nasia has her own website, nasiahajiyoriyu.com. I will try to make sure we put that in the notes. So you uh, if you can't guess how to spell that. Um, or you, <laughs> and I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> or you can find Nasir on Twitter at nhajiyorhiu, I think, right? So that's it. Figure It's brought to you by Island Talks. It's the only and first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus. If you like what you hear and you want to help pay for the tech side of producing Island Talks, the money doesn't go to me. You can find buttons for Patreon or buy me a coffee on islandtalks.fm. That's all one word, islandtalks.fm under the support us page. Thank you for listening. Thank you for having me.